Purdue enters its second week of training camp. Full pads coming soon. Our thoughts and observations from the first week. Plus, Washington and Oregon join the Big Ten. Kyle Charters with Tom Deanhart on Gold and Black Radio. Tom, in a moment, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Tom, let's hit on some of the uh, observations that we have both made uh, through the first <laughs> several practices uh, for the Boilermakers here during training camp. You've been out at, at more of those than myself, but I was able to make it a little bit last week also. I'll tell you one thing to me that jumps off the page when you get a chance to look at Purdue, even just in the individual drills, is I think those outside linebackers for Purdue and the Boilermakers go at least three deep, if not more than that, with Nick Scarton, uh, Corday Sidnor, and Kydron Jenkins. Um, those guys look look pretty good. I mean, they, they really look the part of what you want mm -hmm. out of that position in this Ryan Walters defense. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked to Kevin Kane after practice this week once, and, you know, he sort of confirmed what we, most of us thought, that, you know, that outside linebacker spot probably is the most talented, at least potential field position on defense. And you talked about the big three there, Sidner, Scourton, and, and, and Jenkins. And, you know, for you, I think they like Will Held a lot, the true freshman. He may see we, – we may see dribs and drabs of him. He may actually use a year of eligibility if he's as good as people think this fall. And Scotty Humpets, you know, if he can stay healthy, he certainly looks the part. Uh, and then Roman Petrie is a redshirt freshman. He's got, he's got a nice rangey build. <clears throat> so, yeah, a lot of nice options there for them to use. And, and yeah, that defense is going to be a lot of fun watching to try to come together here. Uh, you know, that's what Walter's – earn his chops on his defense and developing that defense in particular. So he certainly has a talented group of outside linebackers to sort of build around. Yeah. And those guys will be relied upon a lot in, in this defense and what Purdue wants to be able to get done. I mean, the whole thing is predicated on getting some pressure, playing man defense in the back half and, and, yeah. and not putting too much pressure on those corners to have to cover for too long if you could do that, then the defense works. I mean, that's sort of the goal of every of every defense. I took note a little bit of those cornerbacks a, a couple of week, weeks ago, Tom. We we sort of gave our confidence picks in terms of positions entering training camp. I think we had the corners and the offensive line sort of uh, mixed in the last two spots there. One of us had one last and the other the other. I, is there a chance those cornerbacks could be, I mean, it could be a little bit better than what we anticipate because, I mean, Purdue threw a lot of numbers at the situation, trying to find at least a couple, if not more, who could do what they need them to do. It seems to me that, that maybe Purdue can be a little bit better there than what we anticipated. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, we'll just have to see. Uh, I think there are high hopes for, for in particular, Marquise Wilson from Penn State. I think he's probably, he's probably the best of the transfer portal cornerbacks. I wouldn't be shocked if he starts. The kid from Stanford, Salim Turner Muhammad, he's been out all camp with some sort of injury. And then they got the two guys from Ole Miss, you know, Markevious Brown and Braxton Myers. 
they're sort of intriguing. We'll see if maybe one of those guys is certainly a cut above or not. And they've got, of course, the uh, the junior college transfer kid, uh, Botros Alessandro, who I think I think they've liked the early returns on him so far uh, from Snow Junior College out in Utah. And then they got they have the one veteran back, Jamari Brown. I know, you know he has his warts, but he certainly played a lot of football. He's a guy I think that's going to have a chance to maybe play a to maybe play a key role. So yeah, that cornerback spot. Boy, you talk about um, one position that's really turned over a lot. It certainly is uh, it is that unit. Yeah, it's interesting, too. We asked uh, Cam Allen to, to give us a guy who had sort of stood out after that first day. And guys usually don't answer that question. I think they've been trained at this point to just be like, everybody looked good. <laughs> uh, but he he actually mentioned Botris, didn't he? And, and yeah, he, did, he, yeah. that he had, had made some plays there. Um, and so maybe that's been a bright spot here in the first week. Yeah, you're right. He mentioned him and some other people I was talking to have cited Botros as well. He's he's a good kid with a with a very interesting backstory if you ever get a chance to talk to him. So yeah, you know, it's kind of fun too. Um talking to uh talking to Kevin Kane about the defense and you know, he, he he talked again about how unique it is, right? And uh he compared it to teams having to get ready to play the Navy triple option offense. Uh, that being it's just a very unique scheme that they do. And it's a scheme that other offenses typically don't see. So you're playing your schedule game after game. You got a three, four defense, a four, three or variations of that. And then here comes Purdue's defense, which, which again, it sounds like it's awfully unique what they do and, and uh, outside of the box. So uh, that was an interesting observation. And then Kevin Kane talked about, um, it's all about them trying to get their guys in one-on-one matchups. One-on-one matchups, you like your chance to win that battle, and especially up front, Kyle. They have a five-man front, typically have obviously five offensive linemen, so those guys should just have one-on-one matchups. And and this defense, I think, counts on their guys to win their battles, especially those outside linebackers who we talked about earlier are guys that uh, that are going to be lined up on the line of scrimmage, um, a buck and a fox. So. Uh, they're going to turn those guys loose and try to let them get up field and create, create some havoc. Yeah. Anything else to you that has uh, jumped off the page at you in those 30 minutes that you have uh, at the beginning yeah. of practices? Yeah. You know, Hudson Card still looks sharp. He throws the ball very well, but we never know how you're really going to do right as a quarterback until you, somebody's chasing you, trying to take your head off and everything's breaking down around you. And can you keep your composure, keep your eyes downfield? Um, so, yeah, but so far, just from, from what we've seen, he continues to look as sharp as he did in the spring. And I, I think it's a bigger roster, Kyle. You, you've seen a lot of Purdue football teams up close. I think they've certainly gotten bigger, especially on the defensive line with those three SEC transfers, Jeffrey Hemba from Auburn, Malik Langham from Vanderbilt, um, two big bodies, and Isaiah Nichols from Arkansas. So you're talking about 300-pound-plus bodies, guys, 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". So, uh, they, 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 like I said, they've gotten bigger up front on the interior which obviously they hope is going to help them. And it's always a very physical Big Ten. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, size matters, that's for sure, in uh, in Big Ten football. Speed does, too. Uh, I, I still like, the, you know, we only see bits and pieces here of things. But Purdue did run a little bit of, uh, you know, just sort of full speed walk through a little bit on a couple of plays when I was out there, one of those. They got the ball into Deion Burke's hands. I, I still think that he yeah. can be a major part of what Purdue wants to get done offensively because 
you know, he can play in the slot a little bit. He's a guy you can hand the ball to. You can throw it to him. He's got some speed. You know, when he has been healthy, he has been able to show flashes of that. And it was interesting to me in those, you know, they just run a couple of plays or just walk through really sort of the, to, you know, make sure everybody's aligned right, I think, and and uh, getting your calls correct and all that kind of stuff. But on that play, the ball went to him. I think it's interesting uh, to note that. And to me, it feels like he can be a guy that can be a, a big part of what you want to get done offensively. That's something I think, uh, you know, I noted in the first week of practice. Yeah, I think they're all counting on Deion Burke to play a big role. Uh, several people have mentioned him, just his testing numbers. Um, he sounds like he's one of produce freaks, if you will, from a speed standpoint. I think at the media day, Ryan Walter says he runs upwards of 22 miles an hour, one of the fastest times on their team. They, they can measure this stuff with these vests that they wear during practice and whatnot. So yeah. he mentioned Deion Burks calling him a, quote, action figure, if I remember right. <laughs> and you're right, not not the biggest guy, but certainly a, a guy who can get in and out of traffic. And he's gotten his feet wet, and maybe this is a year that he really takes off and becomes – an alpha receiver for this team that needs an alpha receiver. And um, yeah, TJ Sheffield, not, not, not a super blazer, but a veteran guy, probably the leader of that unit right now, right? And Mershon Rice, can he stay healthy and finally break out? I know they like Elijah Canyon, the kid from Auburn who got here last year, but it's hurt most of 2022. And then, you know, forget about the junior college receiver too, Jaden Dixon Veal, number zero, not the biggest guy, but a, a slight receiver is pretty quick and, and Kyle, from, from, from what I'm hearing, the, the Florida Atlantic receiver, Jamali Dryan, got hurt last week. Um, I think it was on Thursday and wasn't at, was not at practice during availability on Friday or Saturday. So uh, that certainly would be a big blow. Don't, don't know the extent of it, but um, it sounds like he suffered some type of a, of a mishap. So he's a bigger wideout who I think they were counting on, they are counting on to really help fill out this union, maybe maybe be one of their top four receivers. Yeah, that'd be too bad if he is out, because it seems to me that, that if I'm Purdue, I want one of those bigger receivers to develop into another guy who can count on. Because if you have Burks, you have Sheffield. If you could get a, a third or fourth guy who's got a little bit more size, physicality to him, I think you would want that. Yeah, they got him, and they've got Canyon's a bigger receiver, and so is Abdul Rahman Yassin. Those are probably – and Mershon Rice. All yeah. those guys are well over six feet tall, uh, six one, six two, six three, and uh, yeah, it'd be nice to get one of those guys that has a bigger frame that could complement some of those smaller, shiftier receivers. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk uh, Huskies and Ducks, Washington and Oregon joining the Big Ten a lot sooner than maybe a lot of us expected. We'll do that uh, coming up next on Gold and Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you are doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, 
Your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, Tom, the Big Ten made big moves uh, last week, adding Washington and Oregon. It's interesting sort of, I think, how all this very likely came about. Uh, you know, the, the Big Ten probably did not want to be uh, the instigator to breaking up another conference, would be my guess, like the final blow. But, man, with what was going on with the, the TV contract with the Pac-12, it just seemed like maybe some of those schools started making some phone calls at some point last week and, and essentially saying, we want out of here or we need out of here or we need someplace to land here because this whole thing is, is falling apart. And for Washington and Oregon, the landing spot was the Big Ten. It certainly changes, uh, you know, further changing the league. I mean, it's going to be a, a vastly different conference next year now with the four West Coast schools joining the fray. Yeah, just nuts. Quite a soap opera late last week. Um, a lot of drama Thursday and Friday. Uh, you know, at one point it looked like it was breaking apart. Then, then there were reports that the Pac-12 was sort of convalesced and talked everybody off the ledge and, and they were going to stick together and do the Apple TV deal. And then, boy, less than 24 hours later on Friday, it was all over. And and and, and Kyle Oregon was was the was the school that that really um, was the catalyst for this. Um, everybody was waiting for Oregon to make a decision. So the Big Ten did end up breaking this thing up. Uh, Arizona hadn't jumped yet. Washington was going to do whatever Oregon was going to do. And the Ducks had a change of heart. <clears throat> I think they were. Nobody was happy with that Apple TV deal, it sounds like. Just there's a lot of there, there, there wasn't guaranteed income. A lot of it was going to be based on how many subscriptions they were able to to generate. It's hard, yeah. hard to set budgets that way. And, and even like the guarantee what, what the subscriptions could have generated probably wouldn't come come anywhere close to what the Big Ten was, maybe, maybe not even the the, the, the Big 12's $30 million per school. But um, so yeah, Oregon was gone and that set off the cataclysmic event. And of course, Washington followed, then you saw those other three quote-unquote corner state schools vote for the big 12 colorado had already gone and yet arizona arizona state and utah and so only four schools left standing what's going to happen and kyle like you said all this is happening next year what's the pac-12 going to do they got four schools next year yeah i mean <laughs> i have no idea what's going to happen in those schools oregon state washington state stanford and cal you feel bad for them but again here's the big big 10 now with 18 schools starting next year you know, it seems like it was yesterday the Big Ten was announcing their, their football schedules, right? Well, they have to trash all those <laughs> and, and start anew. So it will be interesting to see. Um, I'm interested, Kyle. Is the Big Ten going to go back to divisions now with 18 schools? Are they going to have two 19 divisions? Will they have three 16 divisions? Are they going to still play nine conference games? Uh, so, again, there's, there's a lot of moving parts here. How many times are our schools like Purdue going to have to go west in a year? 
So yeah, that's the, the, the once you once one one question spills out of your mouth, ten more come to your come to your thoughts. So just there's a lot going on here for for administration schools to try to figure out. Yeah, it's it's a it's complex for sure. Um, <laughs> you almost have to go to ten game schedules, right? I mean, it, how how could you? I'm just not sure because the TV contract's already been done, and and I think if the Big Ten were to, were to go to 10 conference games they probably want more money from from their tv partners and they've already got these non-conference games scheduled they'd have to buy out of them yeah so again i my, my guess is they're probably going to stay at nine conference games but i think eventually maybe the next iteration of tv contracts you're probably going to see 10 conference games i would think i'd like to see them just play all conference games but um but again i think it's going to stay at nine for me the fascinating thing is going to be if they do anything with divisions or not yeah, that will be interesting to see. I, I mean, the idea of, of six-team division seems intriguing to me, but I, I don't know how that would work then from a Big Ten Well, you can figure it out. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I, I guess you would take the two highest, quote-unquote, ranked teams and let them play for the championship then, you know, whatever that, yeah. the college football playoff poll, the two highest-rated Big Ten teams would play. That, 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 that's how it was going to work anyway. The two highest-ranked Big Ten teams in the college football playoff poll were going to play for the Big Ten championship. And, Two divisions, three divisions, four divisions, it doesn't matter, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it would certainly help alleviate some of the the travel issues there, it would seem. I mean, travel issues are – for football, I guess, matter less. You're only playing once a week. For some That's of the, what's funny, yeah. The Olympic this, sports, though, I, I don't know how this works. I just this don't. Is, yeah, this is – you know, for, for, for people to think that Olympic sports are going to drive any of this, and I know Eli drink with some people were – were wringing their hands. They didn't think about the student athletes and what about the swimmers and and you know you can go on and on with this stuff. You know, maybe it's time kind for football just to break away because um, you 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 they're we're, we're, they're paying fifty million dollars a year for football, and I'm I'm not disparaging Olympic sports, but Olympic sports has no say in what goes on nor nor should it. Yeah. Um, again, I think we, maybe we have to rethink the entire collegiate model. Um, cause this isn't working to try to, to try to group all these sports under one umbrella at university is ridiculous. Football is such a monster. It deserves its own little I don't know, area, but there, there've been talk about the program splintering off anyway, but th- th- this thing's become so big that to try to drag along these other Olympic sports just seems silly and try to wedge them in here somehow. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you do, you know, I, I know that the, the Olympic sports athletes get, you know, second billing here. You feel bad for, I don't know what school it was, but the person who wrote something about how they, you know, they went to that school so their parents could go watch them play. If you play, if you went to play softball at Washington, now you're playing, your, your parents are traveling to Rutgers and, and Maryland and Penn State and, and Ohio State to watch you play. That's just a, that's a big ask. It's just, I, guess it, I guess it's a lesson in life. They can transfer if they want them. Yeah. It's just It's a life lesson, man. You got to roll yeah. with it. Things change in life. That's how yeah. it goes, man. So uh, the Pac-12 has a uh, uh, an automatic bid next year, right? <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'm, I'm gonna, I, mean, I was thinking about that too. I was, I was, I was taking a walk and thinking, my God, they, they can't keep, they can't let that conference champion. You, know, I, you still have to rank high enough. I think you got to be a conference champion and they can rank high enough. But anyway, yeah, there's no way I think that they can have a an automatic bid. So we'll see if that gets revisited or not. Yeah, you know, you're gonna have Oregon State in the playoffs yeah no yeah i don't know a six and six oregon state team that 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 played five games against 
who played five games against uh, Eastern Washington, Boise Colorado State, State and Washington. San Diego State, and uh, I don't know, San Jose. San Jose have a football team. I don't San know. Jose State, yeah, they still got a football team. I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess one of the questions people were now: What's next, right? What's next, Kyle? Yeah. Uh, things as the dust going to settle here for for a while. I think that, that seems to be the sentiment. It seems to be the SEC has no interest in adding anybody at the moment. If if you listen to enough, you know, national level podcast people and read the stories, the Big Ten, uh, forget about Stanford and Cal. Not sure what's going to happen with those two. Uh, I think everybody's going to sit tight. It would seem at this point. And now all eyes are on the ACC. They got that that grant rights that runs through twenty thirty six. That is so prohibitive. Um, so I'm not sure. Nobody's sure what's going to happen with that. But I think that's the next league that should be on pins and needles. But again, 2036 is a long way away, Kyle. God, I, I mean, I'd be alive then. But to me, to me, there's only a handful of schools out there that I think the Big Ten would want or the SEC that are really going to move your needle or enhance your, your total package. And no, Notre Dame's one of them, obviously. I think North Carolina is a school the Big Ten would love to have. And then maybe a school like Virginia. Uh, for the yeah. Big Ten, I think those would be the three. I don't think Florida State, Clemson, Miami, forget it. Uh, I'm not even sure if the SEC wants those schools, to be honest with you. But again, for the Big Ten, I think you're better off sitting tight. Go with this for maybe 15, I was, I'm going to say 15 years. But again, um, maybe something can be worked out with with a Virginia or North Carolina at some point. So uh, most people don't do, do think we're obviously not, not finished here with, with realignment. It's just a matter of what's next and when it's going to happen. Yeah, 18 doesn't make sense. 20 does, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Notre Dame and North Carolina. There you go. I've solved it for everyone. I mean, that would be that would be unbelievable. The Big Ten got those two schools. That would just be, I mean, yeah, yeah that would be the cherry. That would be the cherry on top of it all. That would make having Rutgers in your league feel better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, North Carolina got North Carolina. What a brand. We know about the basketball. I think the football is always underrated there. You get in that massive population center of North Carolina, a new area for you. And if you can't get Notre Dame UVA, I mean, again, not, not a super athletic powerhouse, but um, what a school and still uh, they have some pretty good athletic heft too. And another new part of the country, the conference would work its way into and continue to have a couple more flags on the Eastern seaboard. Yeah. All right, Tom, I know you got to get to practice. Uh, talk to you later. Hey, take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Tom Deanhart, I'm Kyle Churners. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.